The freest and most joyful person in all the world is the one who is a slave to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Disciple Life 360, sharing truth to help you follow Jesus. This episode is titled Slaves to Christ. And this podcast is an abbreviated version of a sermon I recently shared that you can find in its entirety at gracebiblegunner.com. Gracebiblegunner.com. Who do you think you are? And by that I mean in addition to your name, if you had to tell people who you are in one word, what would you say? What one word would you use to describe the totality of your identity? So this is essentially a question of identity. Who do you think you are? Simply stated, identity is the natural occurring qualities that make us who we are as individuals. So other than your name, what one word would you use to describe yourself? The one word that James, in the book of James, chooses to describe himself might surprise you. You know, James was the brother of Jesus, and he didn't lead with that. James was a a pastor of a very important city in Jerusalem, but he didn't choose that to be his first point of identity. By the way, you know, the Bible uses lots of metaphors to express identity of those who follow Jesus Christ. And the Bible were referred to as aliens, strangers, citizens of heaven, ambassador, lights of the world. We're referred to as members of a body. We're, we're, We're called the friends of Jesus. We're called Jesus's sheep. We're joint heirs with Christ. We're, uh, told to compete like athletes. We are, um, Uh, encouraged to fight like soldiers. We're described as branches who abide in Jesus, who is our vine. We're called children. We're called um, newborns who who crave the milk of God's word. We're called God's building and Christ being the cornerstone. Every one of these metaphors, they help us better understand our identity as disciples of Christ. But God uses a one-word metaphor much more frequently than any of those that I just shared. And it's a word that you might not expect. The word that is used so many times to describe our identity as Christians is slave. Over and over and over again throughout the New Testament, followers of Jesus Christ are referred to as slaves of God and slaves of Christ. And James says that he's a slave of both in James chapter 1 and verse 1. James chapter 1 and verse 1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, Now you say, I didn't hear the word slave in that verse. Ah, but you did. The word servant in James 1.1 is mistranslated. The word translated servant in most translations is actually the word slave. The Greek word is doulos, and it only means one thing. It means slave. It's used 130 times in the New Testament, um, translated servant in most modern translations. But there are, I'm told, six different Greek words that mean the word servant, and doulos is not one of those words. And the reason that we don't use the word slave or it's not translated slave is obvious to most of us. Slavery as we know it here in the United States and in in our history is, is a horrible thing. In U.S. history, slavery is associated with racism. It's associated with abuse. It's associated with mistreatment of people, treating people less than human. And so you can imagine that version of slavery and then what slavery might have been 2,000 years prior to that when James was penned could be very, very different. And they were very, very different. Slavery in Rome in first century, first of all, it wasn't race-based. It wasn't a particular ethnic group that were to be enslaved. Also, slavery wasn't designated to um, lower-level jobs. You could be a slave who was a teacher or an architect or an artist or any number of respected jobs as a slave. 
A low estimation of slavery in uh, Roman civilization during the time of Christ was that there was about 20% of all of civilization was slaves. And, you know, it can go on up from there as much as a third of people during that time that were, were represented in slavery. So slavery at the time of Christ and what comes to mind when we think about slavery in the United States, in our culture, they're two very different things. But still, to say that we are slaves to Jesus Christ is a very strong way to identify us. And there's a big difference between the word slave and the word that's translated many times servant. A servant has the liberty to go and, and do what they want in a, in a given time. A servant, but a, a servant can fulfill their role and, and go home and, and live however they, he or she pleases. But a slave, a slave belongs to the master. And as followers of Christ, we have a master. And his name is Jesus. It seems many want to have him as Savior, but not necessarily have him as Lord, which is another word for master. That's not possible. You can't have Jesus as Savior, but not have him as Lord. It's not biblical. It's not possible. We often refer to him, though, as Lord, as, as part of him being Lord of our life, but that also means master. Every time that you say Lord, you're saying he's over my life. So every time you say Lord, you're saying master, and that is showing that you belong to him. It's interesting in, in the book of Acts, Jesus is referred to two, twice, just two times as Savior, but 90 times as Lord. It's not to say that he's not Savior, but it is a, a strong emphasis throughout the book of Acts to say that he is Savior, but also he is to be our Lord, our master, that we belong to him. You know, the basic fundamental aspects of slavery are the very features of our redemption that the scripture puts forth and puts stress on for us to understand who we are as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Number one, we're chosen in, in like, a, like a slave would be chosen. 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are a chosen people, and it also goes on to say that we are a people for his own possession, like that of a slave. The second thing, we're not only chosen, we're also bought, like a slave. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 and 20 says, you are not your own, or you were bought with a price. And what was that price that we were bought with? The blood of Jesus Christ. A third thing, we are owned by a master, again, like a slave. Romans 14, 7 says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. We are, we are under ownership. The fourth thing, we are subject to the master's will and control over our lives. Peter and the apostles once said, We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God. We have a master, like a slave. The fifth thing, we're totally dependent upon the master for everything in our lives. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is able. We are not able. We are completely dependent upon him. We are dependent upon him like a slave would be dependent upon a master. In the time of uh, Christ, slaves did not have the ability to bring testimony in a court of law. And we ourselves don't have the ability to stand before God with our own testimony and appeal for our salvation. We must appeal to God, our advocate, and we must have the Holy Spirit as our counselor. We have a master who we are completely dependent upon. A sixth thing, we are ultimately accountable, just like a slave would be accountable to a, a master. Romans 14, 12 says, so then each of us will give an account to him, give an account of himself to God. So these are all of these things. You can see why the metaphor, why the parallel, why the, the reference to say we're slaves to Christ, how that helps us understand so much about our relationship with him and to him. See, they're all essential components here. The reality is, though, 
you might be hearing this and thinking, I, I, don't want to, I don't know if I'm comfortable calling myself a slave. Well, according to the Bible, you and I are going to be slaves. We're going to be slaves to Jesus Christ or we're going to be slaves to sin. In John 8, 34, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So someone or something is going to own us. And you and I are, are not at the top of the cosmos. We're not at the top of the food chain, meaning I get to decide where I go. There is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light. And we are underneath the ownership of one or the other and becoming further and further and further into one or the other. So, you know, we're going to be slave to something or someone. But John chapter 15, Jesus gives us some very important insights into what it means to be his slaves and why it's uniquely great to be a slave to Christ. In John 15, 12, he says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He says, Greater love has no man than this than the one who would lay down his life for his friends. And he says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves. Your translation may read servants, but it's actually the word slaves. No longer do I call you slaves, meaning no longer do I only call you slaves. For the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So Jesus just said, I don't just, I'm not, you're not just slaves. You're my friends. I'm letting you know what I'm doing. I'm bringing you into what I'm doing. That's not typical of someone who's just merely a slave. By faith in Christ, we're not merely a slave. We're a friend. We're an heir. We're a son or daughter. You're always in one sense. I'm always in one sense a, a, a slave. But when a slave is also the son or the daughter, all that the master has is his also. And the more powerful the master who is over you when you're a slave, and the, the greater the inheritance is of the slave who's become a son. So he lives life. He, the, the, the slave to Christ lives life with the master. And you sit at the master's table. So think about Psalm 23 that says that um, um, you, you make a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that you lead me beside still waters, that um, uh, you're my shepherd, you watch over me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You lead me beside still waters, you lead me to green pastures, you make me to lie down in green pastures. All of these kinds of things that you see in the shepherd language you don't need to be upset. You and I don't need to be upset that we're being called sheep. We need to be excited and pleased and, and um, rejoicing in the fact that we have a shepherd. And we don't need to be insulted that we're called slaves. We need to be excited and, and rejoicing that we have a wonderful master. That's key to understanding that. So don't be insulted in, in that. Be overjoyed that our master calls us friend and heir and son or daughter. So as I said, the freest and most joyful person in all the world is the one who was a slave to Christ. One more reference in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, very popular passage, says, Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what did that just say that Jesus became for us? Jesus became a slave. Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done first for us. He became a slave for us first. 
Jesus became a slave for us. The Son became a slave so slaves of sin could become slaves of Christ and sons of God and friends and heirs with an eternal with an eternal inheritance. So who do you think you are? Have you embraced your identity as a slave to Christ? If we don't embrace Christ, we're not embracing our, our true self that God made us to be. His redemption is what makes us whole. So letting, um, letting the fact that we belong to him needs to be our, our true identity. That's what it means to embrace that. Our, if, if we don't embrace our identity as, in, in Christ as his slaves, our desperate quest for identity and the things that, that never satisfy will beat us up in every season that we go into in our life. We could spend our whole life trying to find what Christ has freely offered us as an identity of belonging to him. And in belonging to him, we find our identity, we find our meaning, we find our purpose, and ultimately we find our joy in glorifying God. You know, few things pique the interest of people more than a restaurant or a business that a sign outside that says under new ownership. It makes us want to peek inside and see what's going on, even if we haven't shopped there or eaten there before. And each of our lives ought to display that we are under new ownership in Jesus Christ. That's our greatest privilege, is to be under his ownership. Slaves to the master who died to buy us and died to keep us and make us sons and daughters and use us for his purposes right on into eternity. What a wonderful thing it is to be a slave to Christ. I appreciate y'all listening. Thank you so much. Also, if you'd like to know more about the subject of um, being slaves of Christ, I highly recommend a book that John MacArthur wrote in 2011, uh, simply titled Slave, The Hidden Truth About Your Identity in Christ. So pick that up, and uh, it is a really great resource. Much of the information that you've heard here and a whole lot more is found in the book Slave by John MacArthur. It comes with a study guide as well, so check that out. You can find it on Amazon or in Christian bookstores everywhere. 